it's all about trust and speed. Seriously, if if you can nail those two things, your case deflection is just going to go up. Yeah, that, and that's how we were able to to do it successfully. Alrighty, folks, welcome to another episode of the State of Customer Storytelling Podcast, the podcast that is all about helping you as a customer marketing leader get the download on the most current practices and strategies related to customer marketing and advocacy. The State of Customer Storytelling is brought to you by Testimonial Hero. Testimonial Hero helps over 300 B2B software companies easily create stunning video testimonials that close deals faster. You can view examples and find out more at testimonialhero.com. Today on the show, we have Mike Jeffs, Customer Marketing Director at Mavenlink. Mike, it's great to have you here. Welcome to the show. Hey, Sam. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And just to dive right into it, you know, we're talking about customer marketing, customer advocacy, and customer stories. Why do all those things matter more than ever today, right now? Yeah, I definitely feel like it's picking up momentum here in the last five to 10 years, and I think it's only going to grow. There's a study by uh, Rosetta Consulting, you know, engaged customers purchase 90% more frequently and they spend 60% more per transaction and deliver 23% more revenue and profitability over their lifetime. So loyal customers grow a business faster than than sales or prospect marketing. So it really influences new customers to your brand, really helps build build that loyalty. Obviously, there's the old adage of it costs five at five X to twenty five X more money to acquire a new customer than to keep an existing one. So the number one common source for new leads is generally referral or word of mouth. So you have to be able to tell a compelling story and, and to tell a compelling story usually involves your existing customers, KPIs that they were able to achieve, how you were able to transform their business or help them improve their performance in their job and their position. So 91% of B2B buyers are influenced by word of mouth when making a buying decision. So it's super critical to any business and it's only going to get more critical. So true. And I know you've led customer marketing in several companies and now you're your director of customer marketing at, at Mavenlink. How do you think about building an advocacy function Maybe from the ground up or, or maybe not quite from the ground up, but you know, in the early days, how do you sort of think about that and what sort of tips or stories or, or learnings stick out to you that could be good for the audience? Yeah. I mean, even within the advocacy umbrella, there's so many different things that you can do and it really depends on what the, the strategic growth initiatives are to the company. And everything in customer marketing and, and advocacy needs to be looked through that lens. What is it that we need or the company needs to close more deals? What assets do the demand gen team need in their campaigns? And then how can we bolster our current customer's voice across all the different channels to make sure that we're seen as a force to be reckoned with or a leader in our industry 
you know, someone that's really producing value for their customers. So initially when you start an advocacy program, it's really great to do just a basic survey to some of your customers that have been with you three to five years to identify things that motivate them. What kinds of things would they want to be involved in? So you can identify some trends because maybe some verticals or some personas may not be as keen to wanting to do some things than others. So you'll identify those trends with just doing like a basic survey and then also identifying like what kinds of things would they want to be rewarded with? Is it a free ticket to your user conference? Is it gift cards? Is it gear and swag? You know, all that kind of stuff. You know, I've done both where I've had a platform to help me manage it and where I've done it with spreadsheets. Um, obviously a platform's easier if you, if you can find the right one. And then once you're able to identify what your customers want and what kind of advocacy activities and behaviors you need them to do for you, then it's time to take it out to your CS team and your leadership team to get some buy-in from them to really explain to them the value of the program and what, what we're going to be able to do in rewarding our most loyal customers, but then also all the great assets that we're going to get out of those activities. So, you know, that's kind of step two. And then step three is defining the technology. If you need a platform, if you're a smaller company with only a couple hundred customers, you can probably get away with just spreadsheets. If you're a larger company, you're probably going to need a platform to help you manage everything because it can get pretty hectic. And then I would say you market that program. So you essentially, you take it as if it was its own little product or add-on feature and you market it to your existing customers. Now you may want to segment to those who have only been with you, who have been with you for a certain amount of years. You know, you might want to start there. You certainly don't want to start with those who have an open case or a ticket. You don't want to target those that might be on the verge of turning or just went through a really nasty ticket or something like that. You want to make sure that you're targeting people that they're in the right space, right place and extend a a very personalized invitation to join that program, give them options of what they can do. You know, some people aren't going to want to be on video, but they're really game to go leave an online review or vice versa or whatever you can get out of them. We as customer marketers, really as any company, you should be super grateful for that action of whatever it is that they want to do. As a customer marketing team, you're going to have a hierarchy probably of what you need, whether that be testimonials, case studies, online reviews, or references. Most companies have like a hierarchy there in terms of what we need more of. And and you can do targeted campaigns to get more of those kinds of advocates. Another great way is after an NPS score, after you collected NPS scores, those that have scored really high, you can send out a personal invite you know, explaining, hey, we're, we're so glad you're having a great experience with us. We'd love to have you join our advocacy program. Here's all the things that you can do. And for doing those things, here's the different things that you can win or redeem. So that's kind of the basics of, of where I would start. I love it. And 
in terms of making it a two-way exchange of value, because I, I know that is like very top of mind right now. And it's like, how can we make our advocacy program deliver value to customers? And in addition to the tangible rewards and things that the customers can redeem, what else have you seen that customers you know appreciate, whether it's being able access to other peers or like being held up like in a spotlight, you know, for their industry and their expertise. What have you seen there outside of the the reward stuff that customers really seem to appreciate? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there are some personas that they don't really care about the prizes and that stuff. They just want to help. That's just what motivates them. They gets them going in the morning out of the bed. They like to help people. Some people just care about getting the accolades and recognition. When you have people like that, it's more of, well, hey, we'd love to have you speak, be a guest on a podcast, or we'd love to spotlight you in our next newsletter, or we'd love to do a case study with you, partner with your PR team, and let's get our PR team together, and let's do a joint one that really helps us both shine. So yeah, there's still a lot of things that we can do for those kinds of those kinds of advocates. There's still a lot that we can do on the table. You know, another one is, hey, we'd love to have you spend some time with our product team where you can share your feedback, but also they have some questions for you. They want to pick your brain. You can be an an early adopter and do some beta tests for us and really help us help the product team shape the product roadmap. Again, those types of people will get a kick out of that. And it's a win-win. They're we're helping them and they're helping us. So that's a great example. And I know that we were talking in the pre-show about customer journey mapping and building a triggered comms plan to improve product adoption and, and help customers see product value. Let's dive into that and, you know, tell me more and kind of share your, maybe you can just share your experience, what you've learned there and just your story Because that is something that I know you have uh, a lot of experience with. Yeah, it's it's a really fun exercise because you have to work cross-functionally with product, product marketing, biz ops, and customer success. And it's really... I've done it a couple of times, but once you're able to map out the customer journey, you need to be able to identify what the CSM's role is, the customer success managers obviously play a really critical role in your customer success, but you have to work in concert with their efforts. That's just something to be aware of and working with the CS leadership team to making sure that they're aware of what customer marketing is doing and you're all on the same page there. But once you're able to identify the customer journey from implementation to adoption, to growth, to advocacy, and you're able to build those phases, then you should audit You know what's happening today during those phases. Do you even have those phases mapped out, first of all? And second of all, if you do, what teams are interacting with them today during those stages? And where are the gaps? What should it look like? You know, if you can identify three to five behaviors that you know improve your churn ratio, and you can put those in some sort of linear order. Again, that's that's a lot of 
data analysis, working with product and probably your biz ops team as well to making sure that you know exactly what those behaviors or features that need to be used. So once you've got that, then it's all about, okay, what are we doing during implementation to making sure that they are picking up these three to five things? Let's not make them drink through a fire hose. Let's maybe give them a glass of water at a time and let them feel refreshed after that. Like, okay, I did that. And now I see this result. Now I'm ready for the next thing. And that's that's really challenging to do, really challenging during implementation because there's always so much information that you're trying to feed the customer and you always have a finite amount of time. But it's better if you can give them bite-sized learnings and some early wins. I found that during implementation. And then once they are handed over to the CSM or perhaps they don't have a CSM if their ARR is lower, then you start to map out, okay, well, now they're out of implementation. What kind of industry are they in? Who's the persona? And what's the next message that they need to receive in order to adopt that next feature that we know is going to help them see success, but also improve our churn ratio? And then build that over the next six to nine months in concert with the CSM's efforts. I like to trigger the emails on the CSM's behalf from their inbox. There's no reason why they need to know why it needs to come from a generic email address or from me or someone on my team. We want to help nurture that relationship and let the CSM, because they have all that knowledge. They just don't have the time to send all these one-off emails. So let's just do it for them and let them focus on bigger, more important things. And then it's just iterate, iterate, iterate in terms of what's what email or what in-app message is converting and which is not. That might mean getting a better understanding of the product from the product team. It might mean, hey, we're messaging this wrong or this message is not working. Product marketing, can you help us sharpen this message, help it be a little bit more simpler or the knowledge base or video needs to is a little bit rough. It might not be as clear or it's too long, something of that nature. But once you're able to do that and you're able to, to use the customer data, which is so critical, is so critical to the business, but especially the customer marketing. Once they tick that box and they've got that feature down, now you can move on to the next feature that we know in a linear fashion makes the most sense for them to adopt. So yeah, that's that's been my experience doing that. And you mentioned working really closely with CS, product, also sales, and just the, the cross-functional aspect of great customer marketing, which is so critical. How do you do that? And what have you found is a great way to build those relationships to work cross-functionally with all these departments that customer marketing touches? Yeah, that's a great question. And honestly, just being sincere and being genuine and being yourself goes a long way. But more than that, it's most of the time when I've approached different departments, it's, it's usually something they've always wanted to do, but they just haven't had the bandwidth to do it. And so you're able to say, well, 
customer marketing. This is kind of our layer in the organization. We'd love to partner with you to make this a great experience and help you achieve your results, whether that's products like getting more people to complete a survey or CS helping more people to complete an MPS survey. You know, we can always add those things into our current communications. Lots of times they just don't have the bandwidth or the skill set within their team on how to communicate to the customer with that. So I just tried to first, you know, seek to understand first, what are their goals? What are they trying to achieve? What are they trying to get out of our customers? Once I get that really good understanding, then I try and position myself as someone who can add value to that at those initiatives. At the end of the day, we all want lower churn. We all want a better customer experience. It's just how about we go, how we go about doing it. It's so true. And I know in the, the pre-show, you also mentioned call case deflection. Tell me a little bit more. What does that mean in your sort of context in, in the companies that, that you've uh, worked with? And tell me a little bit more about that and why, why that's important. Sure. So one of the communities that I built, we had the knowledge base included in the community. It was a one-stop shop, essentially for community, for advocacy, for knowledge base, learning center, webinar recordings. We wanted to make it as simple as possible for customers to find whatever it was they were looking for with a powerful search engine that they could filter and find answers quickly. And so in terms of call deflection, case deflection, when a customer asks a product-related question and another customer answers that question correctly, that's a, that's a case deflection right there. You could even make the argument that it's even more powerful coming from their peer, coming from another customer than from you. The other, the other way that we solved our, was able to really bolster our, our case deflection was to, to really stay in lockstep with product, with releases, making sure that all the content was up to date and accurate. And if it wasn't accurate, pull it. If you have to go 24, 48 hours without that KB article, that's better than having something that's wrong because you're going to put a bad taste in the customer's mouth. You know, it's all about trust and speed. How quickly can they find the answer? And did it get me what I want? Because I need the answer now. Otherwise, they're going to pick up the phone or they're going to click on the chat or they're going to submit that email. So yeah, it was a, it was a very concerted effort with our support team and with product to make sure that we had all the information up to date and it was in the community. It's all about trust and speed. Seriously, if if you can nail those two things, your case deflection is just going to go up. Yeah, that, and that's how we were able to to do it successfully. Trust and speed. I love it. And um tell me more about community and I feel like right now community is you know, become it's becoming increasingly more intertwined, you know, with all things advocacy and customer marketing. What are you thinking about right now? And what's top of mind for you when it comes to community? Yeah, it's all about driving the those behaviors that the customers are gonna find successful and also case deflection 
and then being a resource, another resource for your customers to find answers, not just about your product, but also about the industry. It's powerful to have thousands of your peers in one location where you can ask an industry-related question that perhaps your support team or perhaps your company may not have the answer, but you have, you know, literally hundreds of years of experience in that industry to tap into on the community. So part of it is find success in the product, find out how your peers are using your product in creative ways to get really great results or best practices. But then there's also the industry best practices. You know, if you could help someone in their career, they were able to glean information off of your community, maybe start instant messaging someone, they start having quarterly calls, a mentor or a mentee. Well, your community was the genesis of that. And that's a win because we're helping our customer progress in their career. So I think it's it's becoming more of a nice to have or less of a nice to have and more of a an expectation for customers. And you know, it's all about tracking the ROI, which can be difficult, but making sure that you've got the right engagement, you've got the right personas interacting with each other. People are finding value in coming and staying and progressing and and getting on the leaderboard. And if there are those that are looking to progress in their careers or see themselves as a thought leader, communities are a great place to do that, where you can really share your knowledge with hundreds of thousands or even thousands of industry professionals. So it's also a always evolving exercise. They're constantly trying to make it better and letting the data kind of point the way in terms of interactions, surveys, things of that nature to make sure that the community doesn't get stale, that it's continuing to evolve. And you're adding the features that your customers want, just not ones that you think are cool, but things that they actually want and need. If they want specific chat rooms for certain things, if they want to be rewarded in in certain ways, you have to listen to all that. I'd love to hear more about how do you think about the different sort of mediums and formats of customer content, such as like the traditional case study, third-party reviews, video testimonials, and other customer videos, customer webinars. Like, How do you think about all these different mediums on the customer content side and like what role they have and in the overall marketing mix? Yeah, I mean, you've got all these different levers, all these different content levers that you can pull. The way that I look at it is it's all about engagement and it's all about what's working and what's driving engagement, whether that's prospects for a case study or existing customers watching a testimonial video to consider an upsell. You have to deliver the the content and the medium that they prefer. So how do you do that? Well, you could start by utilizing the most popular two or three and seeing which one gets the most engagement and the most views. For case studies, for example, I know that those are shifting more towards video. I think that makes a lot of sense. Most people would prefer to watch a 90-second video than read two or three pages of a case study. But 
that's really up to your audience to decide, not for you to decide. And so you just A-B test. You see which ones is driving the most engagement, which one's helping, you know, the sales team close the most deals. I think the trend is going more video. And I think if you can do it in a really consumable way where they're able to tell a compelling story, it is more effective. But again, there are some industries that are just tied to that paper case study. And maybe there's a variation between the two. If it's uh, scalable and feasible, you can offer it in, in two different formats and they can choose. So yeah, I think that podcasts are great. If you have the bandwidth, I think video is just going to get more and more popular. But it's also critical, however you're delivering that case study, that you're delivering the KPIs that your personas really care about. And that's the most important thing. Such a good point. Mike, this has been fantastic. For folks who want to connect with you, follow you, check out Maven Link, you know, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Yeah, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn and happy to connect. Fantastic. This is great. Just really appreciate it, Mike. And yeah, we'll have to do a round two sometime. Sounds good. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate your time. Alrighty, folks, that was a fantastic episode with Mike Jeffs, Customer Marketing Director at Mavenlink. Just to underscore a couple of my favorite takeaways from the episode, you know, first and foremost, Mike laid it out that everything starts with aligning with the strategic initiatives. You got to start from that fundamental strategic initiative alignment place. It's such a key point. A lot of good stuff in there about building a customer advocacy program or maturing one. Also, like explaining the value of the program, then defining the technology and also giving people options, right? Giving them a chance to, to opt into their program, into the program and that some people like rewards, but other people might want a spotlight in, in peer recognition. So you, you really have to understand what motivates your customer base. We also talked about mapping out the customer journey and the importance of working cross-functionally with your whole team. We talked about during implementation, giving your customers those early wins and great metaphor of give them a nice cold glass of water and then you don't need to make them drink from a fire hose, right? In, in the implementation phase. We talked a lot about you know the power of community. Such a good point community and how it can work with case deflection and just the reality that like your company might be an expert, but you also are not, may, may not be the industry expert compared to, you know, a, a community of industry peers and, and to be self-aware enough to, to leverage those experts, right? And not think that your company have all the answers, right? Take advantage of that great, great resource. And an, a couple other really great points, just having that that mix and ultimately different people like to consume content in, in different ways. There are certainly trends, but at the end of the day, your audience is your audience and your audience may lean one way or another. And it's important for you to realize like it's up to your audience to decide, as Mike put it. And you know, such a good point that you want to actually not just blindly follow something, like try and figure out what does your audience care about and then get the data that that really confirms that. 
That was a fantastic episode. Again, I'm Sam Shepler, and this is the State of Customer Storytelling brought to you by TestimonialHero.com, and we'll see you in the next episode.